Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. I'm going to be talking about dangers posed to the United States of America from without. Enemies foreign. Enemies foreign who pose a threat to the United States of America, not only because of their animosity towards the United States of America, their very long-standing, long-enduring hatred for the United States of America, but for a plethora of other reasons, not only their motivation— And the fact that the United States of America, a strong, godly United States of America, is an impossible impediment to them. But the great world planners and schemers, conspirators, who will who have and will use these other powers for their ends to accomplish their own desired objectives, which are separate from the passionate lustings of the regimes of these other powers but then also made possible by the degradation of the United States of America, spiritually, morally, governmentally, judicially, and so forth. But before I get to that, I want to say some words concerning what the left the leftists, the socialists, the communists, who fashion themselves as progressives and moderates and like to refer to themselves as liberals, which is a perversion of the word liberal because the true meaning, the accurate meaning of the word liberal is generous. And these people are the furthest thing from generous. Do they ever contribute of the funds that they have received in obscenely large portions? Do they ever contribute some of those funds to this cause celeb or that cause celeb? Yes, some of them do. But not charitable, godly, loving works, but instead in order to accomplish evil objectives and destroy destroy this nation by destroying the good and the godly in this nation. But what they're able to get away with on a daily basis in their communications, following this murderous, rampage in Las Vegas that supposedly was committed by one older white guy. 
who was leftist and so on and so forth and rich. So not the typical angry white old guy pattern (laughs) that they're so fond of. But instead, a rich, older leftist, but supposedly committed solely by him. Even though Islamist ISIS took credit for that monstrosity. Well, lo and behold, there were other actors involved. And when I say actors, of course, I'm not referring to theatrical, cinematic actors. I'm referring to individuals, people, operatives, agents, terrorists, murderers, destroyers. Again, I don't believe that the truth regarding this will ever come out fully or sufficiently. Certainly, I don't believe there will ever be any authoritative pronouncement regarding this coming forth from the government, the federal government of these United States of America, so-called. But the response in the media following this evil was remarkable. Or was it? It's only remarkable in terms of the brazenness, of the flagrancy. That's all. The sentiments are consistent right across the board, whether it happens to be the leftists in elective office, high elective office, the United States Senate, the House of Representatives, the sentiments behind closed doors of certain leftist presidential candidates and to their adoring throngs and to other extremely high office holders, including former presidents and VPs and so on and so forth. First ladies, ladies, first women. Well, I'm sure you saw mention of this woman, Haley Geftman Gold, hyphenated Geftman Gold. She was a vice president, senior counsel at CBS. And they made an extremely, they being CBS executives, made an extremely, extremely wise decision to can her, to fire her, to get her out of CBS immediately when they were apprised of the statements that she had made publicly. And she stated the following, quote, If they wouldn't do anything when children were murdered, I have no hope that repugs, repugs, will ever do the right thing. I'm actually not even sympathetic because country music fans are often Republican gun toters. End quote. Now this term repugs is fascinating. It's, of course, a shortened 
version, an abbreviation of repugnant, which is, of course, just another take on Hillary Rodham Clinton's deplorables, where she was stating that half, at least half, of Donald Trump's supporters were deplorables. Fascinating. You stop and think for a moment. Okay, Donald Trump received approximately one half of the popular vote. He received a tiny sliver of the black vote, a modest portion of the Hispanic-Latino vote, which has been growing by leaps and bounds, and less than a majority of the female vote. As far as the breakdown on the young vote, I don't know what that turned out to be. But approximately one half of the popular vote was for Donald Trump. And dear old Hillary Rodham Clinton, the self-styled most brilliant woman in the world, who has massive experience at working to destroy these United States of America and the good and godly in this nation, in order to bring down this nation, she, at her tender age of whatever it is, older than me, (laughs) younger than the Donald, I believe, she made this calm, cool, calculated, premeditated stump speech that at least one half of his supporters, of those who would vote for him, were deplorables. And everything about them was deplorable. At least one half. So that is at least... One half being approximately one quarter of those who voted in the presidential general election. Now, it certainly could be much more than one quarter because, again, she was saying at least one half. So, you know, it could be three quarters, could be four fifths, five sixths, seven eighths. Who could say? But at least half. So probably (laughs) a good 50.1% or more, probably a majority of Trump's supporters, since at least half, probably a majority were deplorables. Well, what are deplorable people, really? Well, according to Haley Geftman Gold, they are repugs, repugnant Same concept. And she stated that she was not sympathetic about their having been slaughtered, been murdered in mass numbers 
and grievously wounded. She went beyond that. And she said she wasn't sympathetic about any of the people that were murdered and gravely wounded in Las Vegas. Because country music fans are often Republicans. And then, of course, that means gun toters, Republican gun toters. And if they're gun toters, they're bad, they're repugnant, they're deplorable, they're evil. What if they're police? What if they're sheriffs and deputies? What if they are military veterans? What if they are vets home on leave? What if they are undercover police? What if they are armed security guards? What if they are, worst of all, private citizens who own firearms, have learned to use firearms, use them to hunt, use them for sport, most importantly, use them to protect their families and loved ones and strangers. They are repugnant, they are deplorable, and they deserve to be slaughtered, just like dear old Scott Pelley against CBS. Remember Scott Pelley? Just happens to be a network news anchor, national network news anchor. I'm not 100% certain that he's currently with CBS, but he has been with CBS in the past. He could have been segued out of CBS by now, for all I know, and or could have moved on over to some other network, such as NBC, CNN, MSNBC. I associate him with CBS, but he may well be elsewhere. But do you remember what dear old Scott brazenly said following the murderous attack of House Republican whip Steve Scalise, which was committed in Alexandria, Virginia, as I remember, at a baseball, softball park just immediately before an annual charity softball game between the Republican and Democrat teams from the House of Representatives brought together for that occasion. He said that Mr. Scalise, Steve Scalise, brought it upon himself because of his policy positions. He brought this murderous attack upon himself. He deserved it. He deserved to be murdered. He deserved to be slaughtered. And Scott Pelley could brazenly, flagrantly flaunt these biases, these prejudices, this animosity, and not face any 
any result for that, anything back to him. He could do it with impunity, without concern, without fear that it would affect him detrimentally in the least professionally, financially. Extraordinary, because if a leftist had been cut down, had been murdered, or was at death's door because of that particular attack or another one, and some commentator of different persuasion dared to breathe such an utterance. There isn't a network, and I mean a private network or anything out there, that wouldn't have immediately dismissed him, shown him the door. But Scott Pelley, representing national, international network giant, he could do it with impunity, just like dear old Haley Geffman Gold. But you see, Haley Geffman Gold... She had only been with CBS for a year. And she's working behind the scenes. A VP, senior counsel, right? Lawyer, corporate lawyer in strategic transactions. For her to make such an intemperate, dare I say, (laughs) hateful, murderous, monstrous remark is just unimaginable for her to be that stupid because we're talking about somebody who is seemingly very intelligent and very schooled in what is legal and what's not legal and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, what's proper and what's not proper. You don't get to a position like that, even in this day and age of such extreme leftism Socialism pervading the corporate landscape as well as the government landscape, you still don't get up to quite that high a position without having, you know, gone through a couple, three ranks before and being very, very, very well aware of what's permissible and what's not. And she so extremely (laughs) embarrassed, dear old CBS, that they cut her loose. And then she immediately issues this apology, stating that, well, her remarks did not reflect what she really believed, (laughs) which was remarkable. But anyway, uh, enough on that. Suffice to say, that's just a drop in the bucket. There were so many others that made the same kinds of statements following the murderous attack of Steve Scalise, following the death threats made to Republicans in the House. I'm thinking of one woman, member of Congress in particular, and following this monstrous, murderous, terrorist attack in Las Vegas. So very many made the same kinds of statements. 
But that's the United States of America in which we live. Hillary Rodham Clinton, I'm sure you've seen. I mean, she's constantly in the news and she's constantly out there making her new and improved stump speeches and trying to attract people to support her, pay her way to accomplish her ambitions, her selfish, hateful, (laughs) murderous ambitions for the United States of America. And some might think, well, my gosh, why is she doing that? Well, hey, you know, it makes perfect sense. She, if she is going to have any, any remotest chance of being the nominee of the Democrat Party, she has to stay out ahead of the competition. She has to try to craft some sort, some form or other of relevancy. So she has to exploit every possible opportunity. Hillary is not the most brilliant woman in the world. Not close. Depends on how you define brilliance, whether that is simply intelligence or whether it also includes knowledge or whether that also includes wisdom. But for hatefulness, she is right there. (laughs) She's not an unintelligent woman. She's not inexperienced at doing evil. She's very experienced at that, has lots and lots and lots of real world experience. And she knows a thing or two about how to get her way. But her time has just about passed. (laughs) And a great many think her time has passed, that she really was not a very good candidate. (laughs) She was, in fact, a very flawed candidate, apart from how horrible and evil she is. Forget that. Forget that. That she was a flawed candidate. And in truth, she was a very flawed candidate in very many ways. But there are a great many others who have similar aspirations that are younger than her, more attractive than she is, sound less horrible than she does, and have less baggage than she does. Ones who have less of a credibility crisis than she has crafted and created for herself. And those movers and shakers behind the scenes, behind the curtains, who have been such great facilitators and enablers of William Jefferson Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton and Barack Hussein Obama and James Earl Carter and all these others, 
I would be very, very, very surprised if too many of them are enthusiastic about supporting her yet again. Even as they lost their enthusiasm for supporting John Kerry, I suspect that their enthusiasm for supporting Hillary Rodham is waning if it has not altogether disappeared. So she's got to do her darndest to try to maintain center stage and to keep all of the attention focused on herself with regard to being the reasonable, natural, obvious alternative to Donald Trump come this next presidential election. The others will start ramping up their campaigns very soon. I would say within the next few months at the latest. Some may try to get in at, you know, with only one year left to go, one and a half years left to go, but frankly, the chances of them succeeding in that brief a period of time are very slim. The only way that someone can come out of the pack from from not even being in the pack, run this dark horse campaign and be launched to the front of the pack, the only way that can happen is if those world planners, those movers and shakers behind the scenes, the extremely deep-pocketed social, societal engineers, if they switch allegiance from whomever they may be choosing to support six months from now, a year from now, or right now, if they decide that there is somebody who's coming on fast, coming on strong, and that they prefer, and whom they can whip around in front of the others. The same kind of thing that happened with Barack Hussein Obama beating out Hillary Rodham previously. That kind of a amazing event. But barring that, it will be somebody who gets involved in this very soon within the next six months to one year at the furthest out. Of course, there may not be another presidential election. I mean, that is a definite possibility. It certainly is possible this nation could collapse governmentally before that. So, now over to how that could happen. But before I do, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done in case you missed the introduction. So a new congressional report that has been (laughs) released states that a North Korean electromagnetic pulse, otherwise known as EMP, attack on this nation could eventually destroy nine-tenths of the U.S. population. 
That's a rather shocking prediction. And this is not concerning a traditional so-called nuclear attack. This is not bombardment with nuclear warheads. This is an EMP attack. Again, electromagnetic pulse attack. Something that's been known about for decades and decades and decades. But this congressional report, it opines that the really dangerous player with regard to any such potential attack is none other than rogue regime North Korea. Kim Jong-un's monstrous communist regime in North Korea. Now, I'm not saying that they couldn't commit such a thing as this. It certainly is much closer to their capabilities. Not that they've reached the point at which they could successfully launch such an attack. And in fact, then goes on to say that You know, there really isn't sufficient danger of this at this time to merit the United States of America taking steps to prevent and or neutralize such an attack other than just diplomacy, just diplomacy. That's all we need is just more Diplomacy. Well, without going into too much in the way of details about how such an attack could allegedly savage this nation, suffice to say that the United States of America of today, not of World War II era, but today is extremely technologically driven and extremely technologically dependent. And EMP weaponry throws a very serious wrench or has the potential to throw a very heavy-duty wrench into such technologically developed, controlled, managed, operated machinery. And that machinery impacts all aspects of life across this nation and in developed nations. Whether it has to do with access to the water we drink or that we wash in, or that we irrigate with, irrigate crops with, whether it has to do with those crops themselves, 
the foodstuffs, being able to purchase food, being able to transport food, all of the supply lines, all of the supply chain is incredibly intimately linked to technology. Unless you happen to have your own farm and it is off the grid and you are able to live energy independent and you don't need, require, use any technology, you're going to be in trouble. That means basically everyone. There are, again, exceptions. And perhaps the Amish and the Mennonites and the River Brethren and such as that, perhaps they will be able to keep going after others have not been able to. However, what this warning included, along with knocking out the grid, the power grid, the technological grids across this nation, it also speaks of the extreme vulnerability of the nuclear plants. And that with taking down the grid, taking down the water supplies, all of these things, that will result in the meltdown of all nuclear plants, all nuclear facilities very quickly, very quickly with breathtaking rapidity. Now, not the same as they experienced in Japan with Fukushima with the tidal wave. But extraordinarily fast, a matter of a week's time, a week and a half's time, very, very, very short period of time. It's amazing what a short time this nation can effectively operate without all of the technological wonders. And they spoke of people exhausting the grocery stores of all foodstuffs within three days and all of the warehouses within a month that the food and such would be gone and or spoiling. And the list goes on. What I found to be the Achilles heel of this congressional report, however, was that the entire focus is on North Korea. Forget Iran. Okay, because Iran loves the United States of America, the Iranian regime, the Islamist Iranian regime loves the United States of America. It would never be involved in this kind of an attack of the United States of America. Now, is Iran further from the United States of America? Yes. 
But Iran is off the table. It's not going to be involved because it doesn't have the intent. Pakistan's off the table because it doesn't have the intent. Cuba is off the table because it doesn't have the intent, the desire, the lust to destroy the United States of America. Really? (laughs) Forget about Venezuela. Forget about the superpowers, Russia and China. Forget about them. They have no desire to destroy the United States of America. They would never resort to such a thing as this, an EMP electromagnetic pulse attack of the United States of America. Never. Could never happen. Would never happen. Because, of course, they would fear that the United States of America would retaliate. You know, that mutually assured destruction. Mad, mad. They would never do that. Never. How about if they could do it disguised as North Korea? Or how about if they could do it via North Korea? Because North Korea, make no mistake about it, contrary to what Congress will tell us, contrary to what the major national, international news networks will tell us, Contrary to what the White House will tell us, North Korea is a satellite slave state, if you will, of bloody red communist China and the former Soviet Union Russian Federation. And those two superpowers absolutely could attack the United States in this way via their puppet, their wild, undisciplined, unruly puppet, North Korea. They absolutely could. And I don't think they would hesitate to if they thought that would give them what they want if that would really be useful to them, if they want a burned out, ruined, destroyed United States of America versus the option of simply taking the United States of America hostage, hook, line, and sinker. Threatening the United States of America and causing it to surrender. But I have no doubt they would be only too willing to resort to something like this if they felt that's the best deal they could get. But again, it's just like the James Bond movies. It's just like all of these other things that have come out of Hollywood. Not that the Bond movies come out of Hollywood, but all of these others that come out of, typically out of Hollywood. Yeah, they're produced around the world, but they focus on 
The enemy is a rogue regime. At the most, at the very most, it's a rogue regime. Typically, it's just some rogue mad scientist, some rogue general, some rogue political aspirant who has a grudge against the United States of America and wants to inflict as much harm and pain on the United States of America as possible, just like this monstrous destroyer wanted to inflict as much harm on these people in Las Vegas as possible, just like so many others think of all of the serial murderers all of the mass murderers, all of the destroyers, all of the terrorists who are hell-bent on causing as much destruction as possible, destroying as many innocents as possible, destroying as many good and godly people as possible. So here is another arrow in their quiver. In addition to so-called traditional nuclear war, they have this available to them, which, again, they can launch this attack via North Korea. And North Korea is so expendable, not a problem. And meanwhile, they will be blame-free, and the United States of America will be debilitated, unable to respond and retaliate, and all of the Western nations will capitulate because they will no longer have the protection of the United States of America. Now, if something like that were to take place in the next year, in the next two years, in the next three years, then then the world planners, the great societal social engineers, They don't need to concern themselves with backing the likes of Hillary Rodham. They don't need to bother with her anymore. They don't need to bother with those. Instead, it will be those who are behind the curtain can become public, if you will. They don't need to bother with these miserable intermediaries, right? Now, I happen to know, based not on my brilliant imaginings, but I happen to know based on the Bible that there is going to be world leadership. Not just a world leader, but a group of world leaders. And it's not just going to be some monstrously evil but aged individuals who are essentially on their deathbed, the likes of Dr. Henry Kissinger, but there is going to be some presence of some younger monsters who will be at the forefront. I imagine, and and this could be wrong, but I would imagine that those, however, who have been involved in this effort for so long, who are still kicking, who are still alive, that they would really 
really desperately desire to see these things carried out, to see these things happen, to see them fulfilled before they die. But perhaps not. For them, their legacy is seeing this nation destroyed, seeing the world enslaved. It's a remarkable thing, isn't it? When you hear the term legacy, when it's you know, thrown about by political commentators, even when they're talking about the likes of Bill Clinton or Barack Obama, even when they're talking about them, they use the term to reference supposedly positive things, even if the things they're talking about are extremely corrosively harmful to this nation, they still refer to them glowingly as being positive, helpful, beneficial, benevolent, beneficent things. But the destroyers, the evil ones, in front of the curtain or behind the curtain, their legacy is the destruction of all that is good. And they're God, and they're not atheists for the most part. Okay, there are atheists out there for sure, but these individuals are by and large Satanists, not atheists. It's not that they don't believe in a God, it's that their God is a very, very, very different God. Satan, who hates the good and seeks to destroy them, who came only to steal and to murder and to destroy, and who goes by a variety of different names, including the name Allah. But by and large, they are Satanists. And a great many of them have the trappings of Christian religion that they bandy about to show that they're like we are, you know? Oh, Hillary is Methodist, or her grandmother was Jewish, and so she wraps herself in these shawls of this, and yet, again, her view, any person, that reads the Bible, that prays to God, that believes in God, believes in obeying God, that does these things regularly, semi-regularly, whatever, is a fanatic, a dangerous, zealous fanatic who must be destroyed. But she's religious. She's, you know, can't make up her mind whether she's Christian or Jewish. She's something. What she is, is something else. But again, they frequently do have these trappings, like Prince Philip. They will have the trappings of Christendom, and they will attract the support of a great many Christians, a great many Catholics, and a great many Christians. And I make the distinction between Catholics and Christians because Catholics themselves 
insist on making that distinction. I've encountered it over and over and over and over again, where I will ask someone if they're a Christian, and lo and behold, time and again, if they're Roman Catholic, they will refer to, they'll say, no, I'm Catholic. (laughs) Not that I am, yes, and I'm Catholic, or yes, I'm Catholic, but no, I'm a Catholic. So it's, it's an interesting distinction. And it's good that some of them do recognize that there is a distinction. Because in point of fact, there is a very serious distinction. But that's not to say that, oh, all Protestant Christians are Christians. No. No. If we go back a couple thousand years, there were, of course, the Jewish Pharisees and the Jewish Sadducees. And Jesus referred to the fact that a great many of them, they weren't just blind leaders of the blind, a great many of them actually were of the synagogue of Satan. And yet he specified that salvation is of the Jews. The Jews preceded the Christians. True Christianity is the fulfillment of the promises to the Jews. But, again, these world leaders, these world planners, these societal engineers, these social scientists who have plagued the United States of America have corrupted and perverted the culture of this nation and the laws of this nation the mores, the social mores in this nation for so long. They are of one or another camp. They are either atheists who believe that man is the measure of all things, they worship themselves, or they are Satanists, and they worship and serve Satan. But the ends of both of those are one and the same. The United States of America... The reason that it needs, or the reason that it should fear greatly, is because it refuses to fear God Almighty. Because it refuses to trust in God Almighty, refuses to honor God Almighty, refuses to obey God Almighty, has turned its back on God Almighty, on Jesus Christ. And instead, chooses to be like the other nations, chooses to imitate heathen, pagan nations. When the United States of America's government chooses to imitate the former Soviet Union regime, as it has in so many ways, there is a very, very serious problem at the core, at the root. And this nation continues to follow the lead of all of these instead of God, rejects God and instead rejects Christianity and embraces Islam and Allah, Satan, by another name. And embraces the values of communism, of fascism, which are those of socialism of 
monstrous enemies of God, the Lenins and the Marxes and the rest, the Darwins, and the list goes on and on and on. This nation is in danger chiefly not because of technological gaps or breakdown, not because we don't have a sufficiently large or strong standing army, even though our our military is greatly degraded, perverted, undermined. But because this nation has rejected God. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Mm-hmm.